Chapter Thirty Two of Nobody's Man by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Chapter Thirty Two. Tallente, notwithstanding the glow of happiness which had taken him down to Westminster with the bearing of a young man, felt occasional little shivers of doubt as he leaned back in his seat during the intervals of a brief but portentous debate and let his mind wander back to that short hour when he seemed to have emptied out all the hidden yearnings which had been lurking in the dark corners of his heart and soul his love for jane had no longer the boyish characteristics of a vague worship he made no further pretenses to himself it was jane herself and not the spirit of her sex dwelling in her body which he desired a tardy heritage of passion at times rejuvenated him and at others stretched him upon the rack he walked home later with dartrey clinging to the man with a new sympathy and drinking in with queer content some measure of his happiness dartrey himself seemed a little ashamed of its exuberance if it weren't that nora is so entirely a disciple of our cause talent he said i think i should feel a little like the man in the pilgrim's progress who stopped to pick flowers by the way she is such a help though it was she who pointed out the flaw in that second amendment of saunderson's which i had very nearly passed did you read her article in the national too wonderful tallente murmured there is no living woman who writes such vivid and convincing prose and the amazing part of it all is dartrey went on that she seeks no reward except just to see the cause prosper she hasn't the faintest ambition to fill any post in life which could be filled by a man she would write anonymously if it were possible she has insight which amounts to inspiration yet whenever i am with her she makes me feel that her greatest gift is her femininity it must be the most wonderful thing in life to have the help of anyone like nora tallente said dreamily my friend the other rejoined i wish i could make you believe this there is room in the life of the busiest man in the world for an understanding woman i'll go further no man can do his best work without her i believe you are right tallente assented his friend pressed his arm kindly you've ploughed a lonely furrow for a good many years tallente he said nora talks of you so often and so wistfully she is such an understanding creature no don't go just one whiskey and soda it used to be chocolate but nora insists upon making a man of me tallente was a little in the shadow of the hall and he witnessed the greeting between nora and her husband saw her come out of the study a soft entrancing figure in the little circle of firelight gleaming through the open door she threw her arms around dartrey's neck and kissed him dear she exclaimed how early you are come and have an easy chair by the fire and tell me how everyone's been behaving dartrey with his arm around her waist turned to tallente an entirely unrehearsed exhibition i can assure you tallente he declared nora pouted and passed her other arm through tallente's that's just like stephen she complained advertising his domestic bliss never mind there is room for an easy chair for you tallente took a whiskey and soda but declined to sit down i walked home with stephen he said 
and then i felt i couldn't go away without seeing you just for a moment nora dear man she answered i should have been terribly hurt if you had do make yourself comfortable by the fire you will be able to check all that stephen tells me about the debate tonight he is so inexact tallente shook his head i am restless tonight, nora he said simply i shall walk up to the club she let him out herself holding his hand almost tenderly oh you poor dear thing she said i do wish i knew what what to wish you what to hope for you he walked away in silence they both understood so well he found his way to the club and ate sandwiches with one or two other men also just released from the house but the more he tried to compose himself the more he was conscious of a sort of fierce restlessness that drove the blood through his veins at feverish pace he wandered from room to room playing a game of billiards chafing all the time at the necessity of finishing the game he hurried away pleading an appointment in the hall he met greening who led him at once to a secluded corner prepared with your apologia talent he inquired it's in your office at the present moment talent replied finished this morning greening stroked his beard he was a lank rather cadaverous man with a face like granite and eyes like polished steel few men had anything to say against him no one liked him how are you regarding the appearance of these outpourings of yours talent he asked with equanimity was the calm rejoinder i think i told you what i thought of you and your journalism for having any dealings with a thief and for making yourself a receiver of stolen property i have nothing to add to that i am ready to face the worst now and you may find the thunders recoil on your own head no one will ever be able to blame us Raining replied for publishing material of such deep interest to everyone even though it should incidentally be your political death warrant as a matter of fact talent i was rather hoping that i might meet you here tonight the chief and horlock appear to have had a breeze how does that concern me talent asked bluntly it may concern you very much indeed a few days ago i should have told you as i did that nothing in the world could stop the publication of that article to-day i am not so sure at any rate i believe there is a chance would you care to see the chief i haven't the slightest desire to talent replied i have made my protest nothing in the world can affect the morality of your action at the same time i have got over my first dread of it i am prepared with my defence and perhaps a little in the way of a counter-attack no i am not going hat in hand to your chief greening he must do as he thinks well if that is your attitude greening observed things will probably take their course on the other hand if you were inclined to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with the chief and our other editors i believe that something might come of it in other words talent said coldly your chief who was one of the most magnificent opportunists i ever knew has suddenly begun to wonder whether he is backing the right horse something like it perhaps reining admitted look here talent he went on you're a big man in your way and i know perfectly well that you wouldn't throw away a real advantage out of pique consider this matter i can't pledge the paper or the chief i simply say see him and talk it over talent shook his head 
i am much obliged greening he said but i don't want to go through life with this thing hanging over me miller has a copy of the article without a doubt if you turn him down he'll find someone else to publish it i should never know when the thunderbolt was going to fall i am prepared now and i would rather get it over is dartrey going to back you greening asked tallente smiled i can't give away secrets greening turned slowly away i am off for a rubber of bridge he said i am sorry tallente better dismiss this interview from your mind altogether it very likely wouldn't have led to anything all the same i envy you your confidence if i could only guess at its source i'd have a leader for to-morrow morning tallente walked down the stairs with a smile upon his lips he put on his hat and coat and hesitated for a moment on the broad steps then a sudden wonderful thought came to him an impulse entirely irresistible he started off westward walking with feverish haste the spirit of adventure sat in his heart as he passed through the crowded streets the night was wonderfully clear the stars were brilliant overhead and from behind the coliseum dome a corner of the yellow moon was showing he was conscious of a sudden new feeling of kinship with these pleasure-seeking crowds who jostled him here and there upon the pavement he was glad to find himself amongst them and of them he felt that he had come down from the chilly heights to walk the lighted highways of the world the keen air with its touch of frost invigorated him there was a new suppleness in his pulses a queer excitement in his whole being which he scarcely understood until his long walk came to an end and he found himself at a standstill in front of the house in charles street his unadmitted destination he glanced at his watch and found that it was half an hour after midnight there was a light in the tower room into which jane had taken him on the night of her arrival in town above the whole of the house seemed in darkness he walked a little way down the street and back again jane was dining he knew with the princess de Finales, her godmother and had spoken of going on to a ball with her afterwards in that case she could scarcely be home for hours yet somehow he had a joyful conviction that history would repeat itself that he would find her as he had once before entering the house his fortune was in the ascendant not even the emptiness of the street discouraged him he strolled a little way along and back again as he passed the door once more something bright lying underneath the scraper attracted his notice he paused and stooped down almost before he had realized what he was doing he had picked up a small key her latch-key and was holding it in his hand he passed down the street again and there seemed something unreal in the broad pavement the frowning houses the glow of the gas lamps the harmless little key burned his flesh all the passionate acuteness of life seemed throbbing again in his veins he retraced his steps making no plans obeying only an ungovernable instinct the street was empty he thrust the key into the lock opened the door replaced the key under the scraper entered the house and made his way into the room on the right tallente stood there for a few minutes with fast-beating heart he had the feeling that he had burned his boats he was face to face now with realities there was no sound from anywhere a bright fire was burning in the grate an easy-chair was drawn up to the side of a small table 
on which was placed a tumbler some biscuits a box of cigarettes and some matches a copper saucepan full of milk stood in the hearth side by side with some slippers dainty fur-topped slippers even these slight evidences of her coming presence seemed to thrill him time dissolved away into a dream of anticipation minutes or hours might have passed before he heard the motor stop outside her voice bidding some friend a cheerful good-night the turning of the key in the door the drawing of a bolt a light step in the hall and then jane she was wrapped from head to foot in white furs a small tiara of emeralds and diamonds on her head she entered humming a tune to herself serene desirable andrew her exclamation the light in her eyes the pleasure which swiftly took the place of her first amazement intoxicated him he drew her into his arms and his voice shook jane he confessed i tried to keep away and i couldn't i stole in here to wait for you and you're glad thank heavens you're glad but how long have you been here she asked wonderingly he shook his head i don't know i walked down the street hoping for a miracle then i saw your key under the scraper i let myself in and waited jane how wonderful you are unconsciously she had unfastened and thrown aside her furs her arms and neck shone like alabaster in the shaded light she looked into his face and began to tremble a little you ought not to have done this she said why not he pleaded if any one had seen you if the servants knew he laughed and stopped her mouth with a kiss dear these things are trifles the things that count lie between us two only do you know that you have been in my blood like a fever all day you were there in the house this afternoon you walked the streets with me you drew me here jane i haven't felt like this since i was a boy you have brought me back my youth i adore you again she rested willingly enough in his arms smiling at him as he drew near to her with wonderful kindness the fire of his lips however seemed to disturb her she felt the enveloping turmoil of his passion now become almost ungovernable and extricated herself gently from his arms put my saucepan on the fire please she begged you will find some whiskey and soda on the sideboard there parkins evidently thinks that i ought to have a male escort when i come home late i don't want whiskey and soda jane he cried passionately i want you she rested her hand upon his shoulder and i am not yours dear she asked foolishly unwisely perhaps but certainly yours they were all talking about you tonight at dinner and i was so proud she went on a little feverishly our was almost eloquent he said that democracy led by you instead of proving a curse might be the salvation of the country because you have political insight and imperialistic ideas it is those terrible people who would make a parish council of parliament from whom one has most to fear tallente made no reply he was standing on the hearth rug a few feet away from her watching as she stirred her milk watching the curve of her body the grace of her long smoothly shining arms and beyond these things he strove to read what was at the back of her mind we must talk almost in whispers she went on and do have your whiskey and soda andrew because you must go very soon 
it would disturb you very much if your servants were to know of my presence here he asked in a queer even tone of course it would she answered without looking at him as you know i have lived from my standpoints an extraordinarily unconventional life but that was because i knew myself and was safe but i have never done anything like this before in my life you have never been in the same position he reminded her there has never been anyone else to consider except yourself true enough she admitted but oughtn't that to make one all the more careful i loved seeing you when i came in i have loved our few minutes together but i am getting a little nervous do you see that it is past two o'clock there is no one to whom you are accountable for anything in life except me he told her passionately she laughed softly but a little uneasily dear andrew she said there is my own sense of what is seemly and must i use the horrid word my reputation to be considered as it is you may be seen leaving the house in the small hours of the morning a little shiver passed through him all the splendid warmth of living seemed to be fading away from his heart and thoughts he was back again in that empty world of unreal persons jane had been a dream this kindly-faced beautiful but anxious girl was not the jane to whose arms he had come hot-foot through the streets i ought not to have come he muttered dear i don't blame you in the least she answered only be very careful as you go out if there is any one passing in the street wait for a moment i understand he promised i will take the greatest care he took up his hat and coat mechanically she thrust her arm through his and led him to the door looking furtively into his face as though afraid of what she might find there her own heart was beginning to beat faster she was filled with a queer sense of failure you are not angry with me andrew you know that i have been happy to see you i am not angry he answered there was a little choking in her throat she felt the rush of strange things her eyes sought his filled with almost terrified anticipation it chanced that he was looking away she clenched her hands his moment had passed there is something else on your mind andrew i know but to-night we cannot talk any longer she said in something resembling her old tone be very careful dear to-morrow you will come to-morrow he walked down the hall with the footsteps of a cat let himself out silently into the empty street and walked with leaden footsteps to his rooms it was not until he had reached the seclusion of his study that the change came a sudden dull fury burned in his heart he poured himself out whiskey and drank it neat then he seated himself before his desk and wrote he did not once hesitate he did not reread a single sentence he dug up the anger and the bitterness from his heart and set them out in flaming phrases a sort of lunacy drove him into the bitterest of extremes his brain seemed fed with the inspiration of his suffering fed with cruel epigrams and biting words he dragged his idol down into the dust scoffed at the piecemeal passion which measures its gifts the complacency of an analyzed virtue the sense of well-living and self-contentment achieved in the rubric of a dry-as-dust morality she had failed him offered him stones instead of bread he signed the letter lauded it with firm fingers addressed the envelope stamped it 
and dropped it himself into the pillar-box at the corner of the street then he turned wearily homeward filled with the strange almost maniacal satisfaction of the man who has killed the thing he loves End of chapter thirty two